Mel, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here this morning, this early morning. It's my pleasure. Uh, I'm in Tokyo, and thank you for inviting me. I came here originally in 1976. That's right. And I met you not too long after that when you started your family. I think it was, it had to be maybe the 80s, in the early 80s. It was in the early 80s. It had to be, because yes. your son after you yes. before. And I was at the um, nursery kindergarten in Nakamegaro, and you had your son there. Yes. And he was in my gymnastics program. Correct. As a little kid. And how old is he now? He will be 45 in December. 45? <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yes. 45. 45. I remember, and I and, and those were the days where there were very few African Americans here. That's correct. So then, when you pulled up in your car and stuff, I hit it off with you right away. I said, well, "What are you doing? You say, I have a travel company, and I'm doing this." And I said, "Was well, that a travel <laughs> company? What?" Yes. Uh, even if you saw somebody across the street, you would stop and go across Wouldn't the you? street and speak to them. You're right. In those days, I remember I did that a couple of times. You'd see a guy, and he's either in college. Or he was visiting, very seldom were they visiting. Yes. They'd be on the jet program or something, and you meet them and you see something. And 99% of the time, they were African American. Yes. As a matter of fact, that was even before the jet program started. <laughs> when did the jet program start? Uh, I believe it was in the mid 80s. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and so it was, it was welcome to see someone look like you. And at least you go and speak to them, they may not sound like you because sometimes they were from Africa. When I came to Japan, I spent my first summer in Nagoya. I came under an exchange program and worked at the Chamber of Commerce in Nagoya that summer. Came back to Tokyo, went to school, and then when I finished, the first job, as many do here, is teaching English. So I was sent to Nagoya. But my wife was from Okayama. So after a year in Nagoya, I moved to Okayama and started my own English school. Right? A lot of people don't know that. Is that right? <laughs> That's correct. So how long did you have your English school in Okayama? Uh, I lived about two years in Okayama. Okay. And then moved back to Tokyo. Did you have your first my child family. there? Uh, yes, my first son was born you in Okayama. You say he was born in Okayama? Yes, he was. So he would stay there till he was like two or maybe About one? two years old. Is that right? And uh, we moved back to Tokyo, of course. Okay. Uh, even Okayama in that time, I was uh, told by the immigration officials that like, there were only about 10 foreigners in the whole prefecture. I couldn't believe that. And when, we, when I had to go in for visa renewal and such, they had so much time on their hands, we just sit around and talk for a couple hours. <laughs> you see. So it was uh, um, then I saw no African Americans, only right. when I came back to Tokyo. Right. Yes. And where'd you move to when you moved into Tokyo? Primarily lived in Setagaya Prefecture. I mean, Prefecture, Setagaya Ku. Okay, so that's And uh, for, for the short time I was, when I was going to school, I lived in uh, Komai. Komai. Yes, okay. along the Tamagawa. All right. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. But you, are you, so you're, you're back here actually on a discovery mission. Now, basically, you're doing a little um, reconnaissance. Yes, I am. One of the projects I'm doing, voluntarily doing at, at the moment, is introduce the African American's perspective to Japan. Okay. And I realize that it's better if you're able to tell your own story as opposed to other people trying to right. generate a story for you. And also to create a better relationship between African Americans okay. and Japanese. Well, well, see, but you did that when you set up JAFA. Yes. Wait, you're the, wait, wait. <laughs> JAFA stood for the... Japan Afro-American okay. Friendship Association. Association. So you and a couple other guys? You yes. Myself, Warren Latham, 
Mike Williams. Uh, Mike Williams, who's still here. He he was, I believe he was here at that time. But Mike Williams is still here, isn't he? Yes, he's still here. He's, he's a been professor, here over he's four, a professor, right? at, professor at Temple University. Right. Correct. And uh, uh, a, a couple of Japanese, uh, mm -hmm. professor from Waseda University and, and her husband, uh, and also uh, just normal Japanese. I don't know if you remember Fujiko and a couple of others that were involved. So we were their initial, I would say, founders of the organization. It was primarily to foster this relationship for a better understanding here in Japan. Right. It's, it's a global effort now to do more, mm -hmm. uh, not only with Japan, but African Americans and, and various other regions. Well, it's just easier well. to do now, too, because of the way we can communicate. We, have, we can have video <laughs> chat. I mean, it's just a whole. Those days, you were still sending letters. Those days, those <laughs> days, no I can machine. tell you, to get news from home, I subscribed to the uh, San Francisco Chronicle. Okay. It took over a month to get here. So you always had a month old news. <laughs> a month old news, but it was, it was, it was good still news. news. It was yes. still news. That's you know right. what was going by. That's right. I, what I used to do is I used to have my sister record the commercials mm -hmm. so I could see what people were really being conditioned to think. Yes. Yes. So she recorded all the commercials. She didn't understand what I was doing. I said, Val, <laughs> in that one minute, they put more psychology in that one minute than you can get in a whole TV show. That's right. Because you couldn't get any of that. No, you couldn't. And it, it, as far as uh, radio and information, when I lived in Nagoya, at night I would pick up the FEN. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky enough to get the military Is FEN station. still, still, still broadcasting? Yeah, still broadcasting, okay. yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, FEN. So it goes back. And then you remember when we started getting our TVs and they had the adapter or something to it. Bilingual. So you, bilingual. Uh, right. So you could change some of the states. Every now and then you could get a movie. Exactly. That's that you could see listen to in English. English. Correct. Right. So it was it was on the cusp of these it was, technology it was. changes. But today is a whole different world. That's right. Yes. Where were you born now? San Francisco. San Francisco. California. Yes. And you, you grew up there? I grew up there. Uh, How old were you when you first left? San Francisco. When I first left, I was 18. Uh, I was in the Coast Guard. and You hadn't traveled outside of San Francisco until you were 18? Once before, no. Before that, I uh, would travel to Chicago. My parents divorced when I was in junior high school. How many siblings do you have? I have nine brothers and sisters. It's ten of us. And you're number what? One. Wait, same mom and dad? Yes. Same mother and father. In those days... We, there were lots of large families. Our neighbor had 10. This, the left side of the neighbor had nine. Across the street were seven. When we grew up in San Francisco, there were large families. We're just an age, an, a year difference. Wait, hold on. Where were your parents from? They're originally from the South, from Birmingham, Alabama. Both? Both. Okay, because my father's from Louisiana, mm -hmm. but my mother's from California. Mm -hmm. Ten. But I remember, and, but they did have big families. And, and, no doubt and, about it. And most of the... Uh, African Americans in San Francisco came because of World War II. Of course, the same. So the big problem. migration. They either went to the west, all the west, or they went east. And it was military related. That's so right. My father was in the military. They came. Yeah, they could not deal with Jim Crow anymore. And they had all these blatant kids. Jim Crow. I should say. <laughs> exactly. They did. So I, when I went to school, you know, I went to school with other other kids or friends that had big families. Big families. Yes. So let me ask you: Your mom and dad still here? No. They, um, okay. My uh, father passed about 20 years ago, and I was back in San Francisco when he did, and that was part of the reason I went back, is that the, they were old, older a year in ago, age. He, a year ago he passed? No, 20 years. 20 years ago, yes. I'm sorry. And my mother just passed uh, 
two years ago. So she made it. She was 94. She made, my mother's 94 right now. Yes. And she was from, uh, she had 10 in her family. family. 10 in her family. Yes. Your father? My father, he had five. Five. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's a pretty small family. I have five, so I always say I'm half a man of what my father was. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and of the of of the ten of the nine siblings you have, yes. How many boys? How many girls? Five no, I mean, and take five. me down. Five and five. Five and five. Yes. And all of them are doing well. All of them are doing well. Oh, that's beautiful, man. That's yeah. beautiful. Are you close to your siblings? Yes. Yes. Because yes. I mean, you're close with everybody else of color. <laughs> I mean, you go around yes. the world. <laughs> are they all? In, are they all in San Francisco? Or did any of them? Uh, just one is in Las Vegas, but the rest are in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. Almost uh, most of the uh, family and friends I grew up with have moved outside of San Francisco because mm -hmm. of the cost of living and mm -hmm. employment opportunities, but okay. they're in the Bay Area. Would your father, I'm just curious because, I mean, we have very similar backgrounds in the fact that we're both African-Americans. Our parents came from the South, mm -hmm. moved to the West. What kind of work did your father do? My father uh, was a warehouseman okay. for uh, Smith Lithograph. At that time, San Francisco had a lot of blue-collar jobs, and, and printing was a big industry in San Francisco at that time. Okay. So it was a big print, a German printing company. Yes. Um, yes. That's interesting. My father was a postal clerk. Mm -hmm. In L.A., they had a lot of jobs, people there, yeah. and also the car factories. Mm -hmm. They had that. I forget which car factory they were, but there were a couple of factories in California. In yes. LA. In L.A., yeah. And I think uh, most of them moved out. In San Francisco, there was uh, area Bay Area. There was one. It was originally General Motors. Uh, mm -hmm. Then they had a joint venture with Toyota, and eventually Toyota sold it to Tesla. So that's where they're producing Teslas. Mm. Okay, so you you left when you were eighteen to go where? Uh, the Coast Guard. So just right out of high school. Right out of high school, the first job I had, I was seventeen when I graduated from high school. So was I. Uh, first job I had was working for Pacific Telephone. Okay. That's what is called a frame. Freeman did the inside wiring when you get your telephone connection at that time. Yes. So it was also transitioning into digital. It was just the beginning of it. So you did that for how long? before? One year. Did you get a draft notice? No. Okay. You no. just decided to enlist. I decided to enlist because I, I liked aviation and I wanted to fly. And the Coast Guard said, we will teach you to fly. We will teach you to fly. In those days, you sign your name in a contract, and there's no contract. You sign your name to join, and they send you wherever they wanted to send you. After that. So, but that was the hook to get you in. That was the hook. They you. <laughs> because they told so many people, I'll send you, where do you want to go? Yeah. And you say, I want to go to Spain. Just sign right sign here. <laughs> and you end up going someplace else. Or not going Vietnam. You end up going to Vietnam in those days. <laughs> exactly. That's where you end up going. Exactly. And you actually ended up in the Coast Guard in Vietnam. Yes. I never heard of that. A lot of people don't even know Coast Guard is based here in, in Yakota. Did you know that? I knew, it was Port, I knew it was based in Puerto Rico when I was stationed there. That's when the there, first time I saw it. I didn't know how to join it because you're not underneath the, you're, you're federal? No, no. It's really? in the military services. No, no, no. But the, I think the, the under, payment. Under, under war, it comes under the Department of Navy. But outside of an official war, it is an department of part of the military. How long did you stay in? About two years. I was in communications on uh, army installations, but that's something even today I can't go into. You can't go into So you're in crypto? I did have a top secret, secret clearance. Service. I did too, Correct. but mine was so that I could go in there and repair the areas because <laughs> I was a carpenter. Right, right. And 
you had to have a top secret clearance to go in there. Yes. When they're taking all the ticker tape and stuff That's out correct. and they throw all that away, That's you'd correct. come in, mm -hmm. but you still had to have right. a top secret clearance. Right. It wouldn't right. let you in otherwise. Well, basically what we did is we traveled to different bases and determined uh, uh, the equipment, where the equipment needed repairing or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So did you enjoy your time while you were in? Honestly, yes, I did. Mm. Yeah. And it was how many years? About two years. You had two years. Yeah. I had four years, eight months. Yeah. I mean, you joined for four. That time they were giving early outs because it was reduction in force. That you was, came in, I what was, year did you come in? Uh, 71. So did I. And I was in uh, when the peace treaty was signed and the U.S. was pulling out of Vietnam. Uh, a lot of people get 1973 and 1975 confused. 75 is when the U.S. totally pulled out. 73 is when they a started. partial pullout. When, when they, they started, started to, yeah. And the peacekeeping uh, forces were coming in. Okay. That was my last okay. job in Vietnam. I so what did you do once you got out? I mean, did you ever get to Japan while you were in the Coast Guard? No. Uh, mm -hmm. Only connecting, getting to Saigon through through Tokyo, Haneda. That mm. was that was it. And only uh, in a uh, gift shop, I bought an alarm clock. So that was you remember it. that? Do you remember that time? I remember that clock. Yes. All right. So once you get out the Coast Guard, what'd you do? How'd you like? You weren't married. No, no, okay. I wasn't married. Uh, I went to school. I said, okay, I need an education. You had the GI Bill, so I enrolled at San Francisco State University, okay. and my major was international relations with a concentration on China. Why, why did you pick China? Okay, in those days, uh, and that was the early, mid-70s, as far as African-Americans were concerned, the big push was um, going to Africa. Africa was where everybody was focusing on. Right. I've always been a little different. If everybody's going left, I go right. <laughs> so being uh, you know, on the West Coast, San Francisco, Growing up with the Chinese community, I had an interest in China. Did you start learning the language as well? I, I, I started taking Chinese and also Japanese, but there was a restriction. I wanted to go abroad in one of the study abroad programs. At that time, the only programs available were to Taiwan and to Japan because the relationship between the United States and Taiwan was pretty much still intact. It was just transitioning to China. Uh, in 72 or 73. So also, if you went to Taiwan, you were blacklisted from ever having an opportunity to go to China. So at the suggestion of a professor, I looked at Japan as being neutral. And that's how I originally turned my focus to Japan. Okay. So you're out of the service. How long were you out of the service before you actually, what happened? when did you get here? What brought you here? I came here in 1976. Uh, okay. When I was out of the service, I immediately started school, so okay. I was I was work I was working a little part time, GI Bill. So working part time in GI Bill was enough to sustain mm -hmm. my lifestyle at that time. Not married, you did, you had not married, married okay. no children. I had the time. What brought you? What brought you here? How'd you get here? But okay, so my goal was to work for the United Nations. That was my dream. In what capacity? Anything. Do you get in the United Nations uh, in any capacity? Okay applied for an exchange program to Japan. I remember very clearly, they told me I did not qualify for an exchange program to Japan. I didn't have an, I, I did take, uh, I think the beginning Japanese class and I took a couple of history classes and Jap Japanese history classes, but they said that wasn't enough. But knowing me, I don't take no for an answer. So I spoke to my uh, minor 
professor, minor, it was my minor was world business. Uh, he said, oh, we have a pro, there's a program called ISEC. ISEC is a French acronym of an organization founded after World War II uh, for students who are studying business and economics. And it turns out that they had an ISEC program here in Japan. So I applied for it and was accepted. And an ISEC internship for some people will lead to a whole career. For example, you intern in a company, the company like you, you're close to graduation, they hire you and you can work for that company. But in my case, the internship was uh, for the Nagoya Chamber of Commerce. It was just for one summer, the initial summer. And then I, uh, I went, I was in the foreign trade department and learned all about the uh, Japanese exports at the time. And after that, I enrolled and applied to Sophia University for a one-year program. Okay. Yes. Was this your final year or just were you a junior then? Or? I was a junior then. Okay. It was my final year. But I finished the program and decided I wasn't ready to go back to the U.S. Okay. After being here one year? After being here one year. Okay. Because I have... said I want to learn the language and I said it takes a minimum for me about five years to Right. To so what about the girls? Language. I mean, did you have a girlfriend, or did you have? Your, was your wife in the picture by any chance at that time? Yes, she was. Because okay, I so actually, that's why you didn't want to go back. Let's <laughs> <laughs> tell it like it is, man. Well, well, Yes, she wasn't my wife at the time. Okay, but, she but uh, I did know her. Yes, okay. and, and I actually met her in San Francisco. The first time you met her was in San Francisco. Correct. Had you already been in Japan? No, I had not been to Japan. Now, I explained to you that my professor, he had his, uh, he introduced me to the ISEC program, but he had his own uh, Japanese exchange program. So he invited like groups of Japanese to come and spend the summer in San Francisco, and they would stay in the dormitory. So this summer and the summer, the year before I came to Japan, he asked for volunteers who, uh, you know, to, to meet with the students and, you know, show them around and that sort of thing, get to know them. And because I had the GI Bill and I had a little part-time money, I could volunteer. So she was a part of that program, along with uh, some of the people that Japanese friends I still have today. And many of those students in that program had later become industrial leaders in their companies or, or with the government here in Japan. And one of those friends, uh, who I hadn't seen since those days when I was here last summer, uh, Shigeo Hasegawa. Shigeo Hasegawa. Do you know was him? Toyota, right? Yes. He came, became very influential in the Toyota organization. Wow. I, I pictures with him. I, I let him know I was in town. He, he said we had to see. We had lunch. These are the kind of people that... Wait, you mean this time when you came? Last, last, last time you last were Last summer, yes. Last summer when you were here, okay. These are the kind of people that I were exposed to later on and became friends. Right. Mitsui Busan, even owners of their own companies. And you met them then because you were an escort, you were the yes. community. Yes, you know, I had an old beat-up right. Ford. I, right. I piloted nine people places, in right. and we'd drive around and had a great time. Tell them, yeah. And these are stories that they even recall today. Mm. And... This is what, how, yeah, what I, I'm yeah, about. Yeah. Of, I had this opportunity. They had this opportunity. I like creating opportunities and bringing people to have similar opportunities to make it work. Right. Whether they are educators or business, uh, 
it, it's a lasting friendship where they can do business and they can have exchanges. Of course. As such, mm. yes. Well, see, you're, you're the leader in your family being the oldest son. Yes. And that means you're basically the trailblazer. All of your siblings are going to look at you regardless if you want them to or not because you're the first. And your parents are going to put a little bit more pressure on you than everyone else because you're the first. That's just psychologically what happens. Mm -hmm. They counted your fingers every digit more often. You know, by the right. third, by the third one, they, they said, "Sure, third, well, where is he?" They, you know, home alone. <laughs> right, right. That's right. what happens. Then. But the first one, mm -hmm. you're the one that they make sure understands their feelings, and you were their first experience. That's another thing too that people don't think about. Yes, and also being that it was so many of us, we never went anywhere. We never had the vacations because you know. Uh, you drive down the freeway and see a sign like going to LA and say, oh, I look like we're going to LA and you're not going to LA, you're just going home, you know. Uh, so even when I was young, I had this urge for travel and transitioning into why I'm in travel or had a career in travel is one of the facts, we, we never went anywhere, and you know I, I did go to Chicago and Detroit during the summers, and, and that was great at that time, but I wanted more. And so in those days, you read comic books, they always used to have these little clippings that say, send off for your free brochure to Ireland or to Paris or something. I used to send off for all of these, and I had them pasted on my wall, maps and everything. And said, someday I will go to these places. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Isn't yes. that beautiful? Were you close with your father and mom? Or were they just of that, that they weren't pretty, you know, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that generation? They were coming from parents that didn't have any time to be with them because you had to work. Right. And, and, and I guess I was closer to my mother, uh, being that my father, I never knew any of his side of the family. Uh, until really recently, before he passed. But my mother, uh, the, the trips to Chicago and Detroit was all her side of the family. Okay. So I guess I was closer to her right. side of the family. I heard this from Denzel Washington gave this quote the other day. You might have heard it too. He said, for a son, his first true love is his mother. Mm -hmm. And for a mother, her last true love is her first son. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting quote. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. Yes. He got all misty-eyed. So, <laughs> I don't know if he's a person. Well, it has been, it, right. <laughs> it has some meaning somewhere. It yes. has something yes. somewhere. Yes, And I thought that thought was very interesting yeah. perspective to look at it that way. Right. You met your wife before you even came to Japan. Yes. And you must have talked to her while she was in San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. You, you write letters in those days. So, okay. Yeah, you wrote a letter. So when she left you, you let her know that you were thinking about her. And vice yeah, versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you came here, she's someone you connected with immediately. Yes, yes. Okay. As well as those other students that uh, I met in San Francisco. Actually, they all met me at the airport at Haneda because that was the international airport at of the course time. It was. And it yes. is again. Yes, it is again, right, finally. <laughs> Thank goodness. But uh, they all met me and uh, they picked me up. And uh, first place we stopped at was the Akasaka Tokyo Hotel. It was a Sunday. And we had a brunch breakfast. They didn't take you to the Mugen after that. No, right? that, in that evening, right <laughs> actually, Mugen didn't happen until many years later. <laughs> that was that area. My goodness. Yeah, you bring back some memories because right next to that was the Tokyo Hotel, the the one that burned down, the new 
New Tokyo Hotel, I think. Yes, yes. Burned down and the one guy jumped. Yeah. Yes. And then they had the Latin quarters between the two. Remember the Latin quarters was right there too. Yes. In those days right they had all the uh that was a transition it was a transition era. You know, it was it was post war transition to modern it sure Japan. Was. It sure and, was. and the Sano was right down the street. The Sano and you had you still had military, you still had a yeah. few uh, that were dying out with these old cabaret clubs. My goodness. And those are all gone. You see for a year, then you were, you were supposed to go back, but you said you wanted to stay longer. Yes. and So how did you stay longer? I stayed longer by uh, getting a job teaching English and having a sponsor. My initial English teaching job was with Time, Time Life Company, uh, Time Life Magazine, the same company. I don't know if they're still in business these days here, mm -hmm. but they were pretty big. And they hired me along with, with uh, a guy from England, Tim Davis, and sent us both to Nagoya to teach out of Nagoya, especially for uh, Honda and Nippon Denso companies that were in Korea. Because uh, at that particular time, English was really important for the big corporations because they were just starting to send their people overseas. They were sending, yes. And, and plus, they needed, yeah. And, and individual travelers, too, were beginning to go overseas. Because they so had the cash finally. This was the... The boom. The boom. This was the start of the boom. Um, right. And so English was uh, needed. It in demand all over. That was, a, that was a language of choice. They were all going to get to America somehow or another. And also in that uh, time frame, I was hired by another company part-time. Because you worked in Nagoya, you didn't work every day. You you worked uh, maybe three days a week, and you commuted for an hour. You worked for an hour, and you had home for an hour. So you the rest of the time you're free. So there's another company called Ale Actual Living English that was an uh, American company that was started by uh, uh, two Americans that came here. They were broke. They looked at the Time Life books and tape method, but they developed it into, uh, in addition to the books and tapes, they had travel programs. So as a teacher with them, you could travel abroad, no cost, they pay you actually, mm -hmm. and your teaching is once a month, and they were paying outrageous salaries. They started us at like 36,000 yen an hour. I don't think you make that today in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> You were lucky to get it even then if you you had to go to the right people. But yes. there was, the money was there. The money was there. They were spending it too. And I was in demand, so to speak. So I traveled for them to Hiroshima. I did Nagoya. I did Tokyo. Like once a month on the Shinkansen traveling. Of course, they're paying for everything. Right. Part of the system too, they would contract with salespeople. It was like a multi-level marketing system. Top salespeople and the uh, heads of those salespeople were, were, you know, they had contests. So when they came in the top, they were given luxury trips abroad. So they were always looking, uh, Ale was always looking for new destinations. So they'd go to Paris, they fly on the Concorde, they get mink coats, they get those days Cadillacs, all paid for by the company. So huge profits were coming in. So uh, they were looking for uh, something new because they were looking at going to Florida, to Disney World, but they wanted something else. So I uh, bought a ticket. In those days, the airlines in the U.S. had unlimited travel tickets. You can 
pay $399 in flight right. anywhere, anywhere you want. They to. That's right. That's right. I went around so the world that way. I did, uh, yes. Mm. I did uh, Eastern Airlines, and someone recommended I go to the Bahamas. I landed in the Bahamas, went straight to the Ministry of Tourism, not knowing anybody, walked in and said, there's a group of Japanese that may want to come here. And they say, you're the man you, I, we need to talk to. <laughs> so you, boom, <laughs> so started your business. that started a business in, into the Caribbean. And you did really well, too. And, you're the only one, yeah. only one in Japan doing it. Yeah. There's no one yes. else doing it. No one else did the Nobody Caribbean. Nobody else did. They didn't even think about that. Yes, yes. You did really well. That was good. And it was, uh, it was a, a motivating factor for me, me because I'm able to create jobs for Japanese that were sent abroad to work in. What was the biggest, I mean, what was the largest amount of staff that you had at one time? At the one, we were small, but at the, I would say 50 people. Because you know, in those days, that's how they basically judged your company. When you had a name card and you showed, they say how big, how many people you got working how for you. How many people you got working that's for they, you. That's all they wanted to know. Or how much do you produce. Right. And if you didn't have a fax number on your card, you weren't in business. <laughs> well, this is started off before faxes. This was yeah, no, still right, using telexes. This, yeah, but they had to get, that's right. But you had to have that. And then the fax, you had to have that right away. Yes. yes. And Japan was on top of that as soon right, as it came out for right. whatever reason. The fax reason. was like almost invented. That's here, right. So was, that's right. Yeah. They just really went hard on that. And took forever to get into cell phones. Yes, Hong Kong yes. was killing. It's just very interesting. If they're doing it, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> if anyone else, let's see what happens. And they could take a decade. Yes. Okay, so you did that business. How long were you in your travel business? Well, I was in the travel business. Uh, I would say over about about twenty years. Your own company, I mean. This is your company. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, well, what I did initially because of the Bahamas, their interest, I. Opened a Bahamas tourist office here. So I represented them here until I formed my own company, yeah. encompassing the entire Caribbean, not just one destination. Mm -hmm. yes. right. Also, in those days, we, we, of course, Japan has Japan National Tourism Organization, then they, they have JATA, Japan Association of Travel Agents. So you join these organizations, you know, as networking uh, and, and business events. Did you ever join the American Chamber of Commerce? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> because my market was an American. Okay. At that time, my market was Japanese. Japanese. That's right. You only need so everything Japanese. I had to do was immersed in Japan. Okay, so you didn't join the Japanese chamber either. No, no, I did not. Okay. No. Okay. No. But I was a member of JATA. Right. Yeah. Okay. A travel organization. Yes, correct. Okay, so how long did you stay in Japan total before you left? How long were you here? Uh, before I left, 20 years. 20 years you yes, stayed here? Yes, yes, So your, son was, your first son was how old when you left? My total time here is 20 years. I understand, yeah. I took them back to the States. Oh, so you didn't stay, the, you didn't stay 20 years to, I mean, totally. straight through? Right, no. Not oh, so, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, so when, how long did you stay here before you went back to the States? Seven years. Seven years? Yes. And then how long did you stay in the States during that time? <sighs> two, two years, maybe. Three years, maybe. Yeah, about two to three years. Okay. You went to San Francisco area when you back to San, always back to San Francisco. Okay. That's home. That's where okay. everybody's at. All right. Yeah. Then you came back. Then did I you, came back. Did you bring your children with you each time you were doing this? No. Uh, they stayed there, and they would come and visit me for the summers during the summer vacation here. So you wanted to raise them in the U.S. Yes. Okay. Correct. That was the whole purpose. Right. Do they speak Japanese? Now? Yes, uh, they do. Uh, actually, my. Uh, Youngest daughter, she, I think, is the best with her reading and writing ability. 
she, they all have graduated from university. Two of them have gotten master's degrees. Uh, all of them are avid travelers and do travel back to Japan as well around the world. So make sure you put that seed in there. That was you my goal. Right? That you was my that focus. Yeah. Exactly. That's beautiful. So where are you now in your um, experience in your life journey? I will be 70 in a couple months. So what I've looked at is how can I help improve the understanding and connections of African-Americans to the world. And the world can be big, and my main focus right now is Japan and South Africa. Yes, that's my focus. Making sure that our image is projected by us to those two areas. And, and pro pro projected by us. I understand what you said, yes. projected by projected us. Projected by right. us to those areas. Right. Uh, it's because it's the counter, the imbalance of the negative. And of course, there is negative, but there's also positive. And sometimes that positive is harder to get through than the negative. Okay. But there are ways to do it. And if it's told by us and, and presented by us, and those experiences are with us, that creates a better atmosphere it does, for definitely. all of us. Well, see, you got yeah. experience that real early. Yes. When you went to, when your professor had the mm -hmm. Japanese coming over and you got to escort them around. Yes. They, I, I bet you most of them, that's their image of African-Americans is not like hardly anyone else's. They love African-Americans because of the experience they have with you. Yes, that's correct. And that's what I'm saying. Yes. So they have that positive image. But there's a, when people ask me how Japanese see African-Americans here, and usually someone white that will ask me that. Yes. I say we have three images for Jap mm -hmm. Japanese. Military, entertainment, and sports. Mm -hmm. And the latter two, they only know us as wealthy. Yes. So the point is, we need to be the bearers of our own stories. Thank you. And this is my goal, is to, what I can do is to educate as many people on both sides to go out and learn and correct those incorrect narratives. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's my goal right now. Yes. Well, I think you're doing a good job. I mean, because every time you come, I know you're coming. You prepare mm. me before you're going to leave. <laughs> you let me know when you get right. here, and you, you follow through. You've never not followed through. I, I try to keep my word. You know, my word follow is through. my bond. And you mm. amaze me, the fact that you will still talk with people who have made, who have, may have made you upset, or not made you upset, or may have done something that other people wouldn't tolerate, mm -hmm. and you still keep on going back to them. And I think that takes a lot. That shows a lot about your character, that you're willing to just not blame the person, you blame the action. Yes, and, you know, and I do it because eventually they realize they are wrong. And I don't have, have to say action, anything. Right. It, it, it comes from you. You have to decide. I can tell you that, but it doesn't mean anything. But when you feel that present, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that, or maybe I shouldn't say that. And then it's a better way of communicating. I think so. Yeah. Was your father pretty much like that? My father was like that. We had, because of San Francisco, we had Chinese friends, Hispanic friends, white friends. He had those. And he, 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 he introduced us to that. So that multi, multicultural, uh, rela those multicultural relationships Made kind of rubbed that on me. But he was very proud about himself as well. Yes, he was. Yes, yes. Because, yes. I mean, he could. It's, it's hard not to be. 
that's here in America. Let me ask you this. This is how I like to end the podcast. Now, I always ask this question. Based upon the soon-to-be 70 years you've had on this planet and the experience you gained during that time, if you were to go back in the time to meet the younger you, what time would you go back to and what advice would you give yourself? Well, in a way, that's easy. I go back to my 20s and tell myself, from what I know now, there are directions I could have taken that would have even been a lot better. I could have studied a lot harder. I could have uh, learned a lot more, but I'm now trying to make up for that. So I'm, I'm sort of back to the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much, Lance. I appreciate uh, you inviting me. Right. I appreciate you being here. Yeah. You know, I mean, I wanted to have you actually yesterday. <laughs> and I said, no, we're going to take more time. Yes. So I really appreciate you coming this morning. And then yes. I uh, really appreciate what you're, you're doing and what you have done in all the years that I've met. Thank you. Yes. It means a lot coming from you, right? Definitely. <laughs> you take care of yourself. Thank you. Okay. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. And never forget, it's all on loan. So continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed.